Well, good day, everybody out there in Sparite's world. Tomorrow, tomorrow, the season starts. It's definitely not going to start without fans, apart from the matches that are going to be played with no fans there. So we'll all have our thoughts on that on the Sky is Blue podcast here with me, Phil Tooley, Stuart Basson, Paul Fisher, and a new free transfer signing from the East Stand Massive, Daryl Carpenter. I, th- I think you've joined us once before, Daryl, haven't you? Or... I did. It was so long ago, though, Phil. I was thinking about that today. I, I think I-, I-, I mentioned that Gary... Roberts had done a back heel and pulled his hamstring um, and I talked about biometrics and you gave me dog's own abuse for it so it's a while ago, it's a while ago man all oh, right 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 so you've agreed to come back then so we'll have to see uh, see what's what so yeah we'll be talking about anything that comes into our, our head we'll be referring back to what John Pemberton has, has said in the build-up to this match how the pre-season games have gone and what we expect at Wheelston and beyond, of course, because now it's thick and fast, isn't it? It's uh, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, as far as the eye can see, with or without fans. And today, of course, the news, unless there's been anything come out in the last hour and I've not seen it yet, today it was confirmed that there'll be government uh, funding to a certain degree. The details not out, but nevertheless, Paul, it's still not going to be real football, is it? There might be some money coming in the coffers, but with nobody there, it's not going to be real football, is it? No, it's not. It's it's going to be a uh, a weird experience. You know, even for the press that are there uh, uh, tomorrow, um, you know, you'll be you're hearing every voice that's happening on the on the field of play. Um, you know, there's no shouts of ooh if there's a, a shot which goes uh, just wide, or you know, even cheering into the back of the net or anything like that. You know, it's it's going to be a a really, really weird experience, you know. And it's a bit like playing at a non-league ground, isn't it? It's a, a, a reserve, <laughs> a reserve game and a non-league ground, for example. So, um, yeah, it, it is a, a weird experience. Having commentated on a few matches uh, over the course of the last few months as well, what seeing no crowd in uh, in the ground as well, it is uh, it's an odd experience. Um, Having to pipe crowd noise in is always a bit weird as well. So it doesn't often get it right when there's a, when there's a goal scored, for example. So no, it, it, it's a, it's an odd experience. But I tell you what, it's glad to get up and running again. If if it, even if it's only in its sort of basic form. Would you have uh, um, accepted the start, Stuart, or would you have waited a little bit until crowds can come in? Um, no, you've got to get going. Uh, otherwise, you won't start at all, will you? Because when can crowds come in? You know, if if we're sort of uh, swimming our way towards a second wave, then um, the, you might easily see a whole season go by without any crowds. You know, um, hopefully the the money from the government will keep coming in uh, once every three months. Um, the three months is interesting, isn't it? Because that kind of suggests when there might be a time when crowds can come back. But you have to get going. Otherwise, you'll you'll never get it finished. And there's not been a gap this long. 203 days, I think it is, since the match <laughs> at Dover, since, of course, the Second World War. And mm. um, when football reopened after that, it was record crowds all, all, all down the line <laughs> for, for several years, wasn't it? Mm, yes, it, it was a... A golden age, wasn't it? They called it, didn't they? Um, when 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 stadium were were rammed and and you know we were playing in front of some huge crowds at places like Chelsea. I think there was a was there a week when we played an FA Cup match at at, at Chelsea or somewhere where 
something like 230,000 fans watched us in the space of three games or something stupid like that. Um, it, it, it'll be a while before we are uh, <laughs> regarded as such an attractive proposition that, 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 that we can draw that many again. But, um, you know, fingers crossed that we can actually get some people in, you know, a, a, a 3,000 or whatever it is that we're allowed um, when the time comes. The work that the club have done, Daryl, to try and squeeze three and a half thousand people in, assuming that, that at that point that they, they could Terry Ward, the architect, and now one of the directors of the club, done an awful lot. Would three would three and a half thousand be enough? Or has the the fact that football's been missing for six months and plus the the, the takeover and, and the change of ownership, do you think three thousand five hundred would have been enough or or do you think there'll be people who are, are disappointed at that level as and when? Oh, I, I have to think it wouldn't be enough, Phil, to be honest. I think the the general feeling of goodwill around the town and the, the club uh, would have meant more demand than that. I certainly think we might have been edging towards five. For how long, knowing what performance is going But I certainly think we'd have set off at that kind of level. Um, and you're quite right to say the, the work Terry Ward's done and the fact that he's actually on the board yes. and the stadium has been crucial. I think he's managed to um, put into some perspective for the safety advisory group. You're dealing with a brand new, a relatively brand new ground, uh, which you can get people in and out of comfortably in a safe manner, that you've got the space in which to, to have one-way systems and, and all that kind of stuff. And they did say to him, because I had quite a long chat with him the other night, that um, his idea of these bubbles of three, two and one was something that not even Premier League teams have come up with. So he's he's used some lateral thinking to try and get as many people into the ground as he can. And uh, I'm, I know how disappointed he will be that, you know, right at the 11th hour, so to speak, the, uh, the circumstances meant that couldn't happen. But I'm sure we're in a, a better place than certainly any I would have thought in the National League and most in the bottom two divisions of the Football League when, when that day from arrives. Yeah, and whilst that, you know, there were people obviously scratching their heads with uh, why are they selling the bubbles of three first? But that's all about maximising the amount of people that can come in 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 one go. It wasn't just to make it easier for somebody in a ticket office, was it? It was to maximise the amount of people that can get through the turnstiles. No, no. And um, as I say, they did say to him that they thought his ideas were actually tremendously innovative. Um, And he'd obviously gone into some... Uh, some reams of detail when presenting this to the the safety advisory group. In fact, he told me that the guy from Derby County afterwards had said to him, can you tell me how you worked it out? Because I'd like to use a similar thing. So, uh, <laughs> so we're under Derbyshire, aren't we, for the, for the safety mm. advisory So uh, each of these groups seem to be taking different stances on percentages that you can let into grounds and so on. One good point, Terry... Terry Maiden, I think it's something to bear in mind um, as we go forward with this is, you know, you might compare our ground, for instance, with Edgeley Park uh, in terms of capacity, but in terms of uh, a ground where you can safely get people in and out and sat, sat safely during a game, there's absolutely no comparison. They've got one end of the ground that's covered in banners and hasn't been used for years, that standing area. We've got that horrible stand that we went in last year and the one opposite which is with a similar vintage 
and then you've got the one new stand which is out of total proportion with the rest of the ground. <laughs> um, so how they, you know, how they could try and justify a similar kind of capacity to the one Terry was looking at for us, I think three, three and a half, whatever it was, I can't say they'd have a, a hope in hell of that, really. Paul, in the in the work that you've been doing over the last month or two, have you covered any of the games that had, I know there are only a handful, but allowed that sort of thousand fans in as an experiment? Did you did you see any of those efforts? I haven't seen any, I know. Um, so far, it's always been behind closed doors. I, I, I noticed it was a championship game the other week. Was it Norwich who had a, a thousand in, I think, uh, uh, fans as well. They were having some in Scotland as well, wasn't there? But no, I haven't covered a game with with fans in in particular. So it's interesting to see how they would be spaced out in particular. Um, I don't even I haven't even seen any because I know there's been some in rugby union, hasn't there as well? That's uh, allowed some fans in, but no, I haven't seen any uh, in, in particular. I know that even they started having football fans in the uh, in the Dutch league, the area of the DC, but they've had to bring that back. So it's now behind closed doors again. Um, because of the spike that's happened in in uh, in the Netherlands. Yes, uh, it, it, it is is bizarre. I, yeah, I've been lucky enough, stroke unlucky enough, delete as necessary to see all three of Chesterfield's uh, uh, games so far, and I'm lucky enough to be able to travel to Wheelstone tomorrow, covering the game for BBC Radio Sheffield. And um, it, it, it is so so bizarre, really. You can hear every yeah. One of the, one of the benefits is you can hear every were yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 on the pitch and you you do get a better feel for those that are the captains of industry out there on the on on the park and uh, uh, you know see how the goalkeeper works with the defense so you know it does give you a, a different insight into the uh, into the game but it surely must you know players have always said John Pemberton said this week about the 12th man element mm-hmm. uh, uh, and it's that level of intensity, Stuart, isn't it? Or lack of intensity that's there. There isn't that, you know, thinking back to the Ebbsfleet 3-3 draw comeback or mm. Tyson coming on and scoring goals for fun against Ebbsfleet last season or, or those last-minute goals uh, uh, against Barnet by Western or whatever, where the crowd's really surging and it must get the adrenaline going. It must make a difference. Well, it, yes, so long as the crowd and the team are on the same page in that respect, then yes, yes, you, 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 you're absolutely right. Um, it, it's going to be such a thing for the players to have to kind of, it's going to be like training, isn't it, really, in that respect for them, you know? And how many how many people score world-class goals in training? And, and uh, I don't know, I, I can't see... In some respects, they won't have that lift, you know, and that'll be a disadvantage. But then in other respects, perhaps they'll be able to play a more measured game, a game that is less um, run on adrenaline um, and and is perhaps more controlled by the people on the sidelines whose input um, will not so easily be ignored, I suppose, if you haven't got a stadium full of people shouting and screaming as well. I suspect one particular money-making uh, opportunity would be to uh, open up the big screen at the Technique Stadium and put people's tweets on it so the players can see yeah. what people are thinking. <laughs> well, there was there was uh, one gr- one ground who, and I can't remember where it is for the the life of me, but it had a big screen behind the goal, and they were showing um, people on Zoom watching the game. Yeah. So so behind the screen they had you had fans there 
who were actually watching the game, but they were watching it on a, on, on on their own sort of computer screen, but they were projected onto a big screen so the the, mm. the players could see that they were watching them. So it was it was quite a surreal sort of experience that was behind sort of both goals. It's um it is weird whether they're going to pipe crowd noise in. I don't know for the for the home games as well. I'm I'm not too sure, but yeah, they're going to it's going to miss that sort of. That, that first game that John Pemberton had in his second spell against Sutton, which just for won by a goal to nil, um, they needed the fans on that day just mm. to push Chesterfield through and get. And I think he referred to it in one of his press conferences or, or in the Q and A or whatever he, whatever he mentioned it in. But you know that was uh, important for the fans to be on the on the side of, of John Pemberton's men. So they're going to be it's going to be a big loss. Yes, there's no, there's no question about that. But uh, but for just twenty pounds, of course, you can have your uh, face put on uh, probably yeah. a medium-sized shirt. So for me, Stuart and Daryl, I think <laughs> it was the first time we fitted one of them for some considerable time. So I think it's worth twenty quid just to get into a small shirt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good job you don't have to have a photograph taken in a shirt. That would not. Look <laughs> that, that that would become target practice, wouldn't it? Oh, I'm getting oh, that. Yeah. I think mine would, uh, would certainly and, and of take course, up a three-man bubble. With that, the, 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 the lower crowd, or zero crowd numbers, could, and I'm not saying it will, but it could favour the, the, the three men and a dog teams that there are, you know, the, the, the Boreham Woods of this world, who are used to playing without masses, masses amounts of, uh, mm. of atmosphere. Yeah. It'll, it'll feel more at home for people, for teams that have, have, have brought players up from the Northern Premier League or the Southern League or something like, like that, who... Yeah, whilst there is atmosphere in smaller crowds, it's it's a different sort of atmosphere, isn't mm. it? Mm. Yes, but although, yeah, that, that, that's a point. But then those sort of teams that, that let's say, typically bring less than 100 people um, as an away following to our place, they, they all seem to have a really good relationship with everybody in that following, don't they? It's almost as though there's so few of them that they know them all by name, you know? Mm. And, and there is that 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 sort of bond between a small traveling group and and a team you know and you wonder well, without that bond whether that team is is as disadvantaged as some team that might be followed by 5000 people like not say for instance and of course none of us will know until there's a few points on the board like Paul Cook used to say don't ask me anything until his 10 games gone and then we can start mm-hmm. getting some form of uh, 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 of shape to it so Wheelston tomorrow we don't know anything about them we've never played them before they came up as champions of National League South so they're used to winning football matches and uh, uh, it was a real real good battle I think in the in the South of some mm-hmm. pretty evenly balanced uh, teams no question about it so um, you know they're, they're a team that last season certainly under their relatively young manager Dean Brennan wanted to play attacking expansive football whether it'll work uh, at one step higher who knows who knows but it's it's not going to be a, a, a walk in the park for either side I wouldn't have thought Daryl I would have thought it's it's important that Wheelston with 10 or 11 pre-season friendlies under the belt and Chesterfield with three uh, it's all about application on the day I would say yeah, I think organisation, application, we will need a slice of luck. We're clearly undercooked, aren't we? And I think, you know, with all that we've had to put up with, both with the takeover, uh, Pemberton getting COVID and being away from the club for the thick end of three weeks, uh, postponements at Matlock and everything else, we're going in on a bit of a wing and a prayer. Mate, it's not the only season we've gone in on a bit of a wing and a prayer, but you know what I mean. Uh, mm. 
I was thinking this afternoon, I don't really know how to feel about the start of the new season. You should be excited, at least for the first 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> and then maybe reality kicks in. But I'm not. I'm, I'm in a little bit of a state of, I really don't know what's going to happen. And I suspect a lot of the managers in that division are in exactly the same boat. They yeah. just don't know how the players are going to react to the new circumstances. Are they fit? Are they up to speed? Um you know, it, it's such a new experience for everybody. I think, I think it's going to be really suck it and see. And if you could, in our in our situation, if we can get get off and, and make a few, you know, I, I'd accept three wins and three losses in the first six. Absolutely, you, you can take that today because um, I think we just need to get the ball rolling. And, and as as this Saturday Tuesday thing you're saying uh, to begin with, Phil, uh, scenario plays out the next month or six weeks, we're, we're going to get fit by playing football matches, not by straight. You know. and, and you were saying about Chesterfield clearly undercooked. Can yeah. Wheelston, with 10 or 11 games, can they be overcooked? They could. Yeah, they could if they've been playing sort of half-hearted friendlies and then tomorrow they've suddenly got a competitive fixture. They might find it a bit of a shock to the system if we, if we can bring our A game, uh, whatever that might be tomorrow. But... Um, yeah, it's, it's just strange circumstances all around, isn't it? And last week they lost 1-0 at home to a team from the division below them. So that sounds uh, pretty familiar for what exactly what happened to Chesterfield against yeah. uh, Geisler last week. And and pe- people were sort of poo-pooing Geisler a little bit. But they finished top 10 last season. And one of the Geisley, um, uh committee, I assume, that was there that I was chatting to was saying about the top five teams... He said they didn't lose to Kings Lynn, they didn't lose to Boston, they didn't lose to whoever. You know, the top of the top mm. four or five teams, they didn't lose any games. So they can mm. obviously turn it on uh, yes. when, when, when they need to. Yeah, they were no well, they were, And, they, and they they're weren't. the night away at somewhere rubbish that probably dropped points when they shouldn't do. Yeah, I mean, they, they were National League a couple of seasons ago, weren't they? So yes, they had a horrendous yeah. season. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean... It's probably this probably says more about John Sheridan, but um, he he said that players prefer to play uh, Saturday Tuesday rather than doing the, the sort of training anyway. But uh, I guess that says more about John Sheridan, though, doesn't it? Mm. You are. They've got chance to prove it for sure. Yeah. And, and, and speaking indirectly of John Sheridan, one of the things that John Pemberton uh, said when he came to the club in January this year that there wasn't a single recruitment list, no players on the uh, shopping list at all. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, um, you know, he, he he went on to say one of the reasons because of furlough, the takeover, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, he, he he went on to sign. He said he only signed three players, uh, dismissing uh, Sharman, Rawson, and Hutchinson's younger players that that weren't re-signed. If you know what I mean, they're still developed yeah. players. So so Hollis, Smith, and Denton were the three he was referring to, and he was sort of saying better the devil that, that, that you know. He's done more than. Uh, you know, he, he he knows what they can do, and he really spoke up. Jonathan Smith, Daryl was there at, uh, at the Q and A, and he was sort of saying there's some players that you wouldn't want to lose your job for, and there's some players that you would lose your job for. And he said Jonathan Smith's one of the ones I'd lose my job for because I back him 100, percent you know, yeah. and uh, um, the, the the performances of Smith in the two brief smell spells under under Pemberton have have seen him as a as a different player, and I personally would give him the captain's armband. So, you know, yeah. that, that, that's his rationale, Stuart, that mm-hmm. for, for signing those, and he also confirmed they'd all taken a, 
a pay cut, indicating that Smith had taken a huge pay cut and been offered chances to move into into the football league. So mm. is that is that solid logic or is that flawed logic out of desperation? Um, no, I think from his point of view, it's it's solid reasoning certainly. Um, you know, he makes the point, doesn't he, that that the those players whose signings have been questioned were part of a particularly successful team under him last season um, when he took over. Um, and, and I can see perfectly clearly why he would have done that. The general recruitment thing, you know, is the thing that has affected us, I think, or will affect us until we can get something sorted on that. Uh, it's not necessarily not having the means to go out and sign competition for places or a, or a left midfield player or whatever it is we think we need. Um, but it is, you know, not having anyone identified for those roles um and 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 that you know the the actual sort of recruitment process is the thing that will if anything does um adversely affect the start of our season i think and he said daryl didn't he about when when he was asked the question what what is a john pemberton team like and he said hard to beat you know hard work and everything along those lines he he spoke about the number 10 which i think you know some people have misinterpreted a little bit it's no the number 10 is just a position he plays in between the the central midfielders and the strikers but you've still got to work like a trojan uh, yeah. as opposed to oh something's mm. gone past me i'll wait until the ball comes back was the example that he used so it's it's about that that work ethic isn't it really mm. And also, most people, I think, this season, because there's nine players who, who were on the on the books already, and some of those were, were paid more than you would be paying if you were signing them now, um, it's about being here as a club that's a strong club in 12 months' time. So most people would take 10, 10th position and, and no deterioration financially from mm. now. But he was saying, Daryl, wasn't he, about... There was one player lined up when the push came to us. He'll be one to fifteen hundred quid a week in a house. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I would think most Chesterfield supporters will say we're better off without players like that. Well, not only that, Phil. I thought one of the very interesting comments he made was that people were saying to him, "Have you looked, or are you looking at players from lower leagues?" And he said, "Well, the the league below, for instance, a lot of good players, but I can't afford them because they've got a job and play football, and we." as we're a fully professional side, by the time they've got the full-time job and play football, they're too expensive. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, as supporters, we find that really difficult to come to terms with because I still think a lot of the town support haven't really come to terms with the fact we're a non-league team. Mm -hmm. And we really have to get realistic now under the new regime to say, you know, we're not going to be chucking money at this anymore. And it is going to be about very cute recruitment, uh, organisation, fitness, all the things that the sides that have gone up in recent years have done really well. Uh, Macclesfield, the year we came down, went up for something like a quarter of the budget we went down with. Uh, Barrow last year were on a fraction of what we paid out in wages. You know, it's we've got to look at it from a completely different angle as a supporter base and, and get real, really. Uh, and they filed went down with a, a huge budget as well last season as well. So throwing money at it mm. doesn't necessarily work. But he, he said this week, uh, Pemberton said, Paul, uh, mm. yeah, when he was asked, I asked particularly the question that you, that you wanted about loan players getting low players in and everything. And the, the the thing that he said that stuck in my mind was he doesn't want to blood other people's youngsters. 
and uh, um, you know they might be good footballers, but if they're not ready, they're not ready. And yeah. he was alluding mm. to Sharman. He said Sharman is a special player, and when he does get in the side, he'll stay in it. And and he did mention about Reese Williams at, at, at Liverpool, who's played in a couple of televised matches this this last week or so. Uh, <laughs> but I think a nil nil against Arsenal, playing alongside Van Dijk, probably will rule him out for coming to a National League side. To be honest, but mm-hmm. that that loan market is there, but. Yeah. You know, uh, um, very often it is your, your Jordan Cropper type of players who worked. Yeah, he's worked, yeah. so he can mm-hmm. work. But mm-hmm. we can all list plenty of loan players over the last five years that haven't worked. Oh, man, there's been quite a few, hasn't there, really? I think, um, no, you've got to, it's, it's about scouting the right recruitment. I think he's mentioned all week, really, hasn't he, about it's the right players wanting to come to the club isn't it and sometimes you say that loan players should only be used in a sort of injury type scenario you know if you if you're short but he's gone in wanting a player who who can fit onto the left wing for example i think he was mentioning or someone who's an attacking attacking sense um so maybe maybe he can uh, go through his book and see what what he can do but only i wouldn't say using a lot of uh, loans to uh, to boost your your squad only if required and you know he's worked with youth players before hasn't he in fact most of his career at Forest at Sheffield United even at Chesterfield as well so he'll know he'll want to put faith in your Rawsons and Charman and even Rowley who should now be an established player uh, in this uh, in the first team it's Maguire as well he should be now mm. uh, you should be trying to kick Maguire out of the team rather than him sort of being flitted inside. And his direct competition is Hayden Hollis. And I hope by the end of the season, it's Maguire playing rather than Hollis. Or if Hollis is playing, he's played well and Maguire's not been able to break through. So you can look at it either way, can't you? You know, sort of thing. And again, one of the things that's come loud and clear from John Pemberton is square peg, square holes. He made reference to that as well in, in, in midweek. So, you know, I was delighted, not for the lad, that he didn't sign the, the the guy, the McGilp guy from Swindon, because the last thing we need at the moment are more central midfielders. Yeah, we might not necessarily think the central midfielders that we've got are the best in the in the land, but we've got plenty of them, and you don't need another one. Yeah. <laughs> so if yeah. you look, Mandeville, Rowley in particular, who who came in for a bit of attention, didn't they, the other night in the Q and A, when he was referring to this number ten position. And the fact that he, he, you know, you can't afford to carry a pass. You can't have a luxury player. You can't have the number ten who doesn't put in the hard yard. So he'd, he'd almost dismiss, dismiss the modern parlance of a number ten because it just doesn't fit into what we, what he's trying to do. Um, and I think he's made that clear to Rowley. Whether he's made it clear to Mandeville, I don't know. He's yeah, he's, <laughs> he'd be a brave manager, wouldn't he, Daryl, to play Mandeville and Rowley in the same team? wouldn't you? So, or, or suicidal, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and unless you've got complete faith in them and and defensive duties is not their job, you know, and unless you're going out all out attack and whatnot and you, you're relying heavily on your midfield, um, then you wouldn't play them in the same team. Well, I, I, th- I think that number 10 role, when everybody's fit and when everybody's you know, ready to start, um, I think his midfield three, because he's clearly going to do a 3-5-2, isn't he? His midfield three will be Butterfield and Smith holding. And, and I think Curtis Weston 
as the number 10 because you'll get the work ethic, the strength, and he scores goals. Yeah. You know, he, he, he'll shoot from 20 yards. He'll, he'll, he'll run. And he has come on as a sub and played a few games in that more attacking role. Admittedly, most of the time that Curtis West has been here, we've not played a 3-5-2. It's been a 4-4-2 or a 4-3-3 or something. But when he has played further push forward West and he's got that work ethic uh, um, and, and, and he will chase back. Now, I'd love to think Joe Rowley will play 40, however many games we're going to play this season, 44 games. I'd love to think he, w- he, he would do, homegrown and all that sort of thing. But I think Weston, who played 45 games or whatever last season, 40 games the season before, so ironically, with a bit of an injury at the moment, he has got longevity. Um, I think he might be the man to fill that uh, that, that role with, with Butterfield and Smith behind him. It's an experienced three, isn't it? Smith, uh, Butterfield, I suppose. I know he's only young, but he appears quite mature in that. Smith and and, and Weston, uh, a gun midfield, as they say, perhaps, really. (laughs) I've only used that 426 times. (laughs) (laughs) Weston's a funny funny player from a lot of the fans' point of view because he got labelled as as obviously being paid more than most people thought he should. Whether that's true or not, we'll never know. But under, under since he's been here, he's played, as you said, Phil, 40-odd games both seasons under selection of different managers. And to me, last season, actually, he was our player of the season, dead and shoulders above anyone else. Unquestionably. I, I thought and since, the debar- since the debacle at Sutton, yeah. we all thought Sheridan was on his last legs, but he, he hung on a little bit longer. When he had the uh, the face to face with members of the crowd, yeah. his game mm-hmm. stepped up as well. Yes. That almost seemed to be a, a, a red letter day in his Chesterfield career, Stuart, didn't it? Well, it did. Yes, yeah. You, you know, you, you saw the footage and you thought, well, he's on his way out. You know, um, there, there's no way that that damage can ever be repaired. But ultimately, the fans respect people who put a shift in, don't they? You know, you don't have to be the, um, the 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 greatest player on earth, so long as you actually roll your sleeves up and get on with it, and, and that's how people earn respect. Mm. And you know, uh, Evans earned respect in his first season by putting a shift in and doing really well and scoring a few goals. I don't think he scored at all uh, last season, but he was an absolute scapegoat for the former manager, wasn't he? Hung out to dry on more than one occasion, blamed. Uh, uh, not by name, but my captain in a home game when he gave a free kick away, and and I can't remember the game they scored from the free kick, didn't they? And 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 sent out to deal with the press on several occasions after substandard performances and and some fairly decent performances mm. as, as well, to be honest. But uh, um, I personally would 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 relieve him of the captain's armband at this moment in time and let him just cap- carry on with his his game. But we have seen that he can do it. And under John Pemberton at the end of last season, seven wins, two draws, two defeats, quite a few clean sheets, can't quite remember how many. Um, he did it again. He's not particularly been doing it in pre-season, but he's not on his own. And mm. uh, um, you know, and as long as he does it at Wilston tomorrow, Hartlepool on Tuesday, Woking at home on, on, on Saturday and so on and so forth, um, we know he can do it. He's, he's a capable player. So... You know, is he the right man to be leading the centre of the defence? My, my, my worry with, always with him is he's got a rick in him. I don't think yeah. there's any 
out about that, but who, which player hasn't at this level? But it's his lack of mobility that, that worries me. Um, the number of times when we've had the soft underbelly and we simply can't react to any kind of pace. But he's an old-fashioned stopper for me, and we've, we've played a three where he can sit between two more mobile players, and I think that's where he needs to be to get the best out of him. But, but on the left-hand side in Hollis, you've not got that level of mobility. You have in Yarny in a, 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 a little bit. But with Sharman and Maguire, you've got, you have got that mobility. Correct. But, but, but then yeah. you, you, it's not exposing Maguire because he's a 100-game man now or whatever. But no. you know, Char, Sharman and Maguire t- together might be a bridge too far for tomorrow. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree, Phil. I mean, I've thought for a while that, that Yarny might be the answer in the centre with Sharman on one side and Maguire on the other. Um, and it's something nobody's tried as far as I can recollect. Anyway, you, you, you stand to be corrected. But I don't think we've gone in with that three. And, and to me, that's got pace plus the mobility plus the ability to bring the ball out from the back. Mm-hmm. Well, I, what I want to see from the midfield is is when somebody's running at them from the centre, from the halfway line or deep inside their own half, is foul them before they get anywhere near the box. And, and that's mm. what I hope Butterfield's there for. You know, if he's going to sit in front of that back three uh, as the holding midfielder, because that's what um, he's been brought in to bolster that side. He's tall, you know, gets stuck into into the, the players running at them. Then, you know, um, the, the defence might be uh, sort of, there is a sort of second ditch uh, route, so that no longer are they going to be bypassed through midfield. If he, you know, that's the that's the way, I and mean, you might need somebody alongside him, you know, just to, as you mentioned, Jonathan Smith, or it might be Weston who might be alongside him. Smith also scores goals, doesn't he? He likes mm. to get forward on, yeah, on he, a lot he, of Yeah, he could switch with that scenario I was painted before with Weston. Uh, yeah, Weston yeah. with Holder and, and Smith the box to box because you know he's 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 got a goal or. Or, yeah. or, or two in him for sure, but it is that Stuart we've been suffering for some considerable time with the the long hoof down the middle or the man running through the middle. It's middle, middle, middle. You know we're yeah. we're reasonably mm. good at cutting out crosses. We're reasonably good at de- defending from set pieces, but we just can't cope with a run at you from the middle and a, a long ball down the middle to a to to, to a, a good target man type. And that's something I'm sure. Sh- well, John Pemberton will know that, of course, won't he? Yeah. Mm, he will. Yeah, he will, and and he'll find two people to play either side of um, of Evans that that uh, you know in some way shores him up for that because he does have other qualities that 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 you know make him worth a place in the team. Um, but as, as you've been saying, the mobility of the centre of defence is, I think, everybody's sort of pet worry at the moment. Um, Sharman, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him emerging this season. I, you know, I understand that John Pemberton wants to be careful and you know nurture him and bring him through and all that. Um, but by the time Paul Futcher was Sharman's age, he'd probably played a hundred league games for for Luton and for Manchester City. I think he went to. Um, you know, uh, and he turned into a tremendously good player. Um, I, I think and he I, played I don't 50 think... games and his twin played the other 15. They just didn't <laughs> change the name. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. I, I, I had the great good fortune of watching him playing for Luton when he was a 16-year-old in the old first division. And um, just an outstanding player, you know. And less into play charm- full season, starting hmm? at 17 in 75-76, didn't he? Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. Are, are we... 
Are we talking of a sort of potential Gary Bellamy, Darren Wood type play in Sharman? Um, he's certainly got Gary Bellamy's footballing abilities. Mm, yes. Yeah. And of course, Gary Bellamy switched from centre half to right back as well. So he'd got that footballing ability that he could get down. And that was in a time before the fullbacks were as an important attacking force as they are in the modern, yeah. more yeah. modern game. Uh, but yeah, I think he's got the ability with his feet of. Uh, um, of Bellamy, not quite sure he's got the aerial strength of Darren Wood, who was very lithe and uh, and, mm. and tall, uh, uh, who of course m- made his way in the game at different stages as a striker as well. He, uh, yeah. he was selected as a striker on more than one occasion, so you know his heading ability was uh, w- was excellent, and and probably of all the young players who've come through from the 80s onwards, he's as good a header of the ball pr- pr- that's come through Chesterfield's ranks. Than, uh, than, than, mm. than anybody for and, sure and for our younger listeners check out Stuart's website there's information about Gary Bellamy and Darren Wood on there I'm sure <laughs> well, well no, Gary no, Bellamy no. Gary Bellamy sorry would still be in my squad of defenders that I've seen play for Chesterfield so you know you think of some of the great ones that we've seen since 1985 yeah. and, and Gary Bellamy would still be there among them for me yeah, went on to have a long career with Wolves and Leighton Orient as well, mm-hmm. and then managed a bit in non-league football, managed over Athletic, didn't he? Yeah, didn't Chel- he? Chelmsford, I think, if I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but very cultured player, and was a workshop schoolboy who came through the ranks with um, Danny Thomas, wasn't he? Who went on to play mm-hmm. for Spurs in England. They oh. were in the same. They were in the same workshop side, school school side, and uh, were nurtured at school by a guy called John Parkin. It was just oh, yes. uh, who used to be the programme editor back in the mm. 1980s. Um, gave up the job to move a teaching job down into Kent, went to Maidstone. And his brother still goes to most of the most of the matches as well. So, uh, um, yeah, fond memories of, of, of Gary Bellamy. Darren Wood, uh, I, I still keep in touch with. He lives, he's an old front lad, um, lives back in, in that neck of the woods now and uh, was responsible for uh, supplying me with the treasured, in inverted commas, shirt from the 10-0 defeat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. mm. Worn by Darren Bradshaw. Uh, uh, Darren Wood was the travelling apprentice that they used to have to help with the balls and the kit and everything along those lines. And when Kevin Randall said at the end of the game, we're never going to see them again, get rid of them. Uh, Darren managed to stuff a couple down his jumper, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, it, he so academy a year or two ago and he, he sold one as a fundraiser for the academy and i took the other one off his hands uh, uh, during lockdown he <laughs> socially distantly distantly passed it to to me <laughs> uh, uh, it's just over there by the way i can see darren it. wood when on, he did he go to reading was it well, yeah reading and northampton mm. he got a cruciate yeah. injury in northampton that uh, mm. finished his career at that time but yeah reading played paid decent money for him if i yeah yeah I thought it was very significant, actually, the, the amount of attention that John Pemberton gave to Sharman the other night, because quite clearly he's got very high hopes for the lad. Um, you know, he said he, he said, didn't he, Phil, he was going to be special. And mm. for a manager to come out in that forum and, and put that kind of pressure on someone, even remotely, is, uh, is, quite, is quite a thing to do. So he's, he's clearly no doubts about the lad. Um, and given a fair wind and 
you don't have any major injuries and all that kind of stuff. He, he sees him having a very, very big future. Not necessarily with us, obviously, but <laughs> it might bring us a bob or two down the line. But if we can get a couple of three years out of him and maybe get us back into the football league whilst doing so, that would be that would be the yes. ideal scenario, wouldn't it? Mm. And uh, Andy also, uh, not not to the same level, but bigged up Reagan Hutchinson as well, yeah. who made that uh, phenomenal appearance off the bench against Harrogate, one of the only two games that we lost under John Pemberton last season, Notts County being the other one. But he made a couple of darts from the middle, didn't he? But uh, he's obviously had a, a bitty bobby pre-season. He wasn't involved at all at Belper. And then just a few bits and bobs of appearances in the other couple of uh, couple of games. But but certainly there's something there. But again, he... he what's his best position he can play right back he can play wing back he can play central midfield the end of the game against Geisley is a striker so you know he he, Hmm. he might be racing the pack on the bench and just come on if you need if if somebody gets a knock uh, or you just need something different that the opposition won't be expecting because they'll know what to expect from Tom Denton they'll know what to expect from Scott Bowden they'll know what to expect from Nathan Tyson but they won't have a clue what to expect from Regan Hutchinson no Good, uh, good little joker in the pack, isn't he? I suppose, really. If you if you don't uh, if you haven't uh, if you haven't scouted him. Yes, yes, very, very, very much so. And uh, uh, a precious few minutes in a Chesterfield shirt, people won't know much about no. him. Although, you know, if there are clubs with the Paul Mitchells of the world out there, they will know everything. Yeah. It's just that we're unfortunate since Paul Mitchell left, we've not had Paul Mitchell. No. So we've had Guy Branston. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, from the sublime to the ridiculous. So, uh, well, so yeah. That was Paul Fisher that said that guy. Paul Fisher. I think I'm blocked I think, on Twitter. I, I don't know. Ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think you and most of the population in the North East Derbyshire, <laughs> to be fair. So, <laughs> I, I, I must be because I've, uh, I've not seen anything from him for a, for a long, long time. I think he's at Leicester at the moment, isn't he? He was... Was he their lone player manager or something last time I took yeah, any interest in uh, in looking? Oh, just, just talking about lone players as well, something that you've uh, picked up just for the, uh, the the people who are interested in these sort of things. We'll get back to real football in a bit. But um, Harvey Barnes, tell us about yeah. him. And also, um, we've we've got the son uh, the son of a former Sparite. He's a f- full Finnish international, Paul. Tell us all about that. Well, Harvey Barnes is the son of Paul Barnes, a very uh, short, loney uh, for the Spirates, and uh, very short. He was about well. six foot, to be fair. He wasn't little. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he was on loan from York at the time. I think he was coming back from an injury. Um, about 1990, he played a couple of games. He played one league game and one FA Cup match against Spennymore Town. I think they were uh, before they rebranded themselves as Spennymore. You know. Um, and he scored in a 3-2 first round victory. And after that game, we never saw him again. Um, that was in 1990-91. So Paul Hart would have been the manager at that particular point. Um, I don't and know why. He was why a great division striker, Paul Barnes. He, he was, yeah. He played a lot of years for a lot of clubs and scored a lot of goals. I'm not, I'm not sure why his loan spell was so short, but Steve Williams came back into the team to replace him. I don't know whether it was something to do with uh, with that or anything. But uh, but yeah, two two goals. Uh, two games, one goal over that short period. And he is Harvey Barnes, who uh, Paul Barnes was born in Leicester, I believe. Barnes has come to Harvey Barnes has come through the ranks at Leicester and has now just to uh, got an England call up. So that's uh, that's good to see. 
and Finnish International. We've, uh, Finnish International is now. His dad was Paul Taylor. Yes. So he's right. young Taylor, the Taylor lad. Uh, we'll remember his name. But Paul Taylor, who I think played one game in the JPT or whatever it was called back in 84, 85. Right. And, then, uh, uh, and that was his one and only game in England with a fully professional club, I think. Then he went to play, as a lot of players did in those days, over in Scandinavia, settled in uh, Norway, didn't he? And his son was born in Norway. And um, we'll check out his name in a minute, uh, his first name, but it is Taylor. Um, he's become a regular pick for for Finland. So uh, there you go. It's uh, a funny old world, isn't it, really? Yeah, it keeps on turning. And uh, Chesterfield links keep on moving all around the uh, all around the world. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, yeah, so back back to back to National League this season. We've talked about uh, uh, Wheelston a little bit. I think the financial situation at a number of clubs is precarious to say the least. We've seen Macclesfield go. Nothing to do with COVID. That was we, we talked about that last time, didn't we? It's mm-hmm. bad management for for some considerable time. But there are a lot of clubs who will be really really seriously struggling. So I think we'll see. Uh, uh, Daryl, a lot more clubs with smaller squads. So, come suspensions and injuries and lack of form, there'll not be the opportunity for people to uh, to just go out and shop in, in the way that there possibly has been for uh, recently. Robert Taylor, well done, Paul. He's come up with the name Robert Taylor. And not only did he come up with the name Robert Taylor, he knew how to flash it onto the screen, which is even more impressive than coming up with a name, to be fair. No, so, yeah, the, the, the people aren't going to go out and be able to shop, are they? No, it's a new reality again, mate. And um, I think a lot of the sides that have fairly rich owners will have been suffering not only in their uh, football club ownership, but also in their individual businesses, wherever the wealth's been. You think in one or two sort of mini moguls down in the National League and uh, they won't just be able to dip into the uh, loan market in the way they did because they just won't have the finance to do it. So you may find a lot of these teams chucking in or having to chuck in academy players, especially when you play two games a week. Uh, we be doing for the majority of the season, if you look at the fixture list, we've got very few gaps, haven't we, in the midweek? So you... The best teams to go up this year may not be the best teams. They might be the ones who've had the least number of injuries and a bit more luck. Um, and I think being lucky this year is probably going to be more being good in some ways um, because you're just not going to be able to replace them. And I, I'm sure we're in exactly the same position um, with our new ownership. You know, I'm sure Mike Goodwin and John and everybody would try and find a few Bob if we did. Uh, injury crisis, but how reality? I think he's fairly limited, to be honest. Mm, yeah, so there, there's got to be nobody with a with a with a deep squad at all. And it, it, it was interesting. One of the things that John Pemberton said uh, was that when the managers uh, had a managers meeting, they were all suggesting that each team should have seven subs, uh, so so they don't have to leave anybody at home. And I was thinking, well, if I was an owner. That's the last thing I'd won. Mm. Yeah. But he, his was all about, you know, if you if you if you've got 
20 players plus a couple of goalkeepers. There's always a couple out for one reason or a, or another. At least then everybody would be involved Monday to Friday and be at the match and, and have a, a, a match shirt on. I can see where it was coming from. It just means you then have to have even more players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, um, yeah. Well, we also we put a bit of a COVID slant on it, didn't he, Phil, and said, at least that way you can keep your bubble together. Because the other thing, of course, we're talking about injuries to smaller spots. But if, if some of these sides end up losing two or three of their better players because they've got a COVID outbreak or the kids have brought some bug home from school and they're having to self-isolate and so on, it's going to be mayhem, really. Yeah. Mm, I'm not sure what the rules are about how many you have to... Because, because the Football League used to have, if it was illness... Yeah, if you got doctor's note for three people or four people, I can't remember what it was. You could call a match off, but I don't know if that if that's the same in the national league or whatever. There's been games called off lately, obviously not in the national league, but Orient had a game off a week or two ago, didn't they? And mm. uh, um, so there obviously is some sort of uh, recourse. So, and and the, the thing that Pemberton said was, he said I'd rather the entire squad got it all at the same time rather than a couple <laughs> of players. I think I think goalkeeper. Yeah, you're struggling with 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 leather and uh, um, missing out last week against Geisley for exactly the reason that you've just d- described, uh, yeah. uh, Daryl. But you know, Wilston will be one thing on their own on their own patch, unknown. We don't know anything about them. But then uh, Hartlepool, of course, are one of the the sides that mm. Stuart. A lot of people are saying will do pretty well this year. I'm not they sure are, aren't they? That on, but that's what they've. Uh, well. <laughs> It's probably their turn. Um, yeah, uh, Stockport are getting heavily favoured as well, aren't they? Because they've gone out and they seem to be signing a new team about once every three weeks on average, don't they? Um, Knots, of course, will be mentioned up there. Um, I don't think all of the promoted teams will do as badly as a lot of people expect them to. I think it's going to be quite a sort of competitive bottom eight or nine this year um and hopefully we'll be sort of one place above all that um and if we are then i'll be happy with that well i i think there's going to be several teams that will uh, uh struggle f- from a financial mm. uh, perspective oh yeah this, yeah i mean i see them for sure and uh, um you know I've, I've not got a, a list of the teams in the division with me now but uh, the likes of aldershot uh, altering and play good football, but but they're they've been a bounce team up and down. They don't waste money. They they avoided relegation a year or two ago, didn't they? When somebody uh, mm. was it a Gateshead? Did they avoid relegation? Where, no, what would yeah. it have been Gateshead? Gateshead we were, yes, no, no, it was it was Gateshead. Yeah, you're right. Aldershot stayed up. Yeah, and uh, um, Altrincham will, will, will struggle, and I think one or two of, of of the smaller southern clubs will struggle as well. I don't think Kings Lynn. Will, although their owner's been saying that. I think Dover will, will struggle. Uh, Wilston have said by the end of this month there's going to be no full-time staff other than manager and management and players. Mm. But that probably won't be the most unusual thing that's ever happened at Wilston. You know, they're, they've probably got volunteers by the by the bucketful to make sure that they're still capable of putting football matches on and uh, and, and operating on a Monday to a Friday, selling tickets or whatever. Well, they're not going to sell tickets, on the but uh, you're raising money. And everything yeah, yeah. along those lines. So I, I think there are going to be six or seven clubs really, really struggling, and and they might have a, a, a decent first eleven, but but they'll not have much beyond that. You know, and it was it, it was noticeable at both, well, particularly at Alfram, and uh, 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 not so much against Geisley, but in the second half when substitutes started happening at Alfram, 
the quality of our substitutes was better than the quality of their substitutes. And the game stepped up. I know they scored with the last kick of the match, but that was all about trying to get an equaliser right at the end and everybody's up. So, uh, you know, no surprise uh, uh, there with that that type of activity. But uh, I I, I can't think, you know, I, I know one of the directors pretty well at Stockport and they won't be throwing money. They, they won't be throwing money they've not got yeah, at yes. it. And of yeah. course you look at us and Wrexham and Notts County and Stockport and in a normal normal year under normal circumstances when run by similar types of owners, they're going to be the ones that do splash the cash most because they get more people through the turnstiles than anybody else. Yeah. Which is yeah, yeah, where yeah. this money that we're supposed to be getting off the government, if that's done on average home attendance over a season or two seasons or something, it should work in our favour as, you know, as much as anybody else's. Yeah. I, I would hope, you know. Yes, it, it might, might be. But, but, you know, two or three also, games in, we can... Yeah. Well, also, clubs like Stockport, who do pretty well Monday to Friday, they use their facilities in the disproportionate stand, I think its official name is. Uh, uh, they use their facilities very well, so they'll be losing a lot of money Monday to Friday, same as we will be yeah. losing money Monday to Friday. Uh, and whereas the lifeblood of a lot of smaller clubs is that Monday to Friday, you're talking about a social club that gets 50 people in it, not yeah. a conference centre that gets 300 people in it. Yeah. You know, it's a slightly subtly different different sort of uh, uh different sort of uh, uh, thing but uh, yeah Hartley Paul yeah they they they're, they're always going to be uh, uh they, they've managed to yeah they they've managed to bring in Newcastle's uh one of the players from their under 23s the captain of the under 23s Lewis Cass as a centre half who's who's played for them so that's that's quite a that's quite a coup for them to to bring in and just as like Chester were trying to bring in uh, Williams, uh, as such, so this that could be a that could be quite a quite a move for Hartlepool. So I um, suppose Hartlepool, um, being strongly fancied, is is a model for us, isn't it? Because they came down a couple of years or so before we did, mm-hmm. and struggled tremendously financially for the first yeah. few years, you know, and they've managed to kind of find a level and start to build from that. And that's very much what I think we have to do with the trust. You know, hopefully yeah. we're in the position of being able to build a bit now once things return to something approaching normal. Mm-hmm. Yes, and there is that opportunity, isn't there, for um, for, for a, a wholesale clear out if that's what's needed next, uh, 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 next year. But, you know, looking at, at Hartlepool's roster, they've got, you know, a, a couple of people on loan. They've got a lad, lad from Sheffield United, Parkhouse, lad from Derby, Ravas. I don't know anything about uh, uh, either of those. But you, know, you, you, you look you look down the rest of the roster, and yeah, they've got Gary Little there, Luke Molyneux, Nicky Featherston, uh, who, who've been a, a, around a fair bit. But you know, the, the, the lad from Derby is a goalkeeper, Slovakian goalkeeper. But Ben Killip, the locals were saying that as a goalkeeper, he was their real weak link last year so you know uh, um you, you need you need a strong keeper and from what i've the, the brief time i've seen leatheran um you know he looks as though he he, he may be he may be solid mm-hmm. yeah i've mm. never seen leatheran uh, play to me i know he's 32 but he's bounced around uh, a little bit and been number two uh, you know for a long time hasn't he yeah in many respects, so um, I'm yet to see him. Looking forward to seeing him in, in particular. So see how Big powerful if, lad is. He'll run into a crowd. I'm not saying he'll get it every time, but he'll run into the crowd and, and knock them all over the place. He's a very, very strong lad. And and whilst I, I'd read 
yeah, when we've signed him, that there was a, a little bit of a weakness on his kicking. I've not seen that yet. No. And not only have I not seen that, um, after the first 20 minutes I'd seen him, I wasn't sure if he was right-footed or left-footed because he yeah. kicked, kicked back passes equally well with both feet. It was only when he took a goal kick for the first time that he kicked it right-footed that you could tell. For a yeah. second, I thought I thought you meant Nathan Ashmore running to the crowd. That's what I thought you meant. <laughs> so, yeah. He's a big unit, Paul, when you see him. Oh, like, right. so you don't, you wouldn't want to mess with him, either right. either fifty fifty or coming out for a cross. <laughs> yeah, and if I was a striker, I wouldn't mention to him that he's playing in pink. <laughs> well, if you're going to play in a colour like that, you have to have ability to back it up, don't you? You know, that's the thing. And you know, it's uh, uh, and, and of course when we were we couldn't quite remember all the father and sons last time. We forgot Jacob and Des Hazel, didn't we? Ah, yeah, yes, last time. Uh, 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 and as soon as we finished last time, I thought, oh yeah, Jacob and Des, Des Hazel were another father and son combo at uh, at, at, at Chesterfield. So you know, Woking uh, next time. It's a long time since we've we played them. We missed the away game, of course, with the uh, coronavirus. So it's an awful long time. Yeah, we we saw them when we were very bad <laughs> at the start of the season. And it yeah, a long time ago. And I'm and sure that was a bad, a bad night, wasn't it? Was it the first home game? Was it last year mm. or something? Well, no, Do- Dover, Dover was the first. Was Dover. Oh, was it? Oh, yes, that's good. Two one after being in the lead with 15 minutes to go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, so did Woking not go top when they beat us? Yes, they did. Yeah, they were doing very, very well. They did. They won the rake of games at the start of the season, didn't they? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Faded away, didn't they? So faded yeah, away when injuries did. when injuries kick in as a usual <laughs> scenario. Yeah, so. yeah. And you know, looking at their roster at the moment, counting how many one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eight, they've only got nineteen on their roster. Yeah. So, you know, they're they're no no depth uh there at all. But you know, in, in the in the like they've got people like Dave Tarpey who's a tricky little player, Max Kretschmar, who used to be at Wickham, didn't he? Yeah. Who's uh, um, not a bad Played John Goddard's been around a little bit as well. He was so they've got a last up. year. Yeah, he's midfielder. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Sam Carter loan from Peterborough. So, yeah, they have, yeah they're, they're, they'll win some football matches this season for sure. But um, you know, again, they've not got the the depth of uh, of squad that all managers, I'm sure, will want. Uh, we've got the under 19 side, and I've seen two or three of their games and yeah there's one or two players who you've looked at and thought oh yeah you can play a little bit but they're playing against other relatively young men yeah. uh, of a relatively low level so it's it, it's always difficult but I did like what Pemberton said about the when he was asked about shopping round at the Matlocks and the Stavelys and everything and he said I haven't got a problem and it's nice because one of Paul Mitchell's mantras was also if you're a good player playing for Stavely you're a good player yeah mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that you're playing for Stavely is irrelevant if you're a good player you know, and uh, you, you 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 keep an eye on Stavely. Have they got any prospects at the moment, Paul? They've lost a lot of players because of the COVID, so they've uh, they've had a sort of stop-start uh, scenario, and of course a lot of players leave, don't they? As well, I think most of their better players have have disappeared. Um, so it's a real shame because they were romping away with the uh, the top of the league last year, and looking really good for a promotion. Um, of course, this year. During the summer, they've uh, they've trans uh, they've got managed to get a grant, so they're going to put a uh, 3G or 4G pitch or whatever whatever they call it anyway. So that's going to be used all the way uh, way through. So they're going to have a, a lot of funding with that. So 
I'm not so sure that 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 they'll have a strong first eleven as they would have done last season. So yeah, maybe it's a good thing. I don't know, but um, um, I think they might have struggled at the league above had they got had to go through the same scenario. Mm. You know, if you know what I mean. So yeah. um, I, th- I think this might, might might couldn't be a good time that they've uh, they've sorted out their pitch and everything. Yes, uh, definitely, and they've been bunking in at Sheffield Club, I think, haven't they? A little, yeah, a couple of games. Little. Yeah. Well, one of the teams that surprised me that people are talking about is uh, Dagenham and Redbridge. They now they do seem to have got a little bit of a deeper squad than one or two others, but they've not had any money for an awful long time. And uh, um, yeah, they, they, they've got obviously Paul McCallum. Uh, McCallum is the main signing that they made. Who scores goals on a regular basis at this level? Miles Weston, the former Barnet player, they've uh, got in there, and uh, uh, Sam Deering, who was the man who had his finest hour against Chesterfield against yeah, yeah. when Martin Allen was it, when when Stewart made a a great quote. I don't know if you remember it at the time, Stewart, that against the Martin Allen side, if you if you're doing well and if if you're not doing very well and losing, uh, go to Plan C, which is start a fight. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were two down and came back to score. Uh, and, and draw two two after a bit of a touchline fracas. Yeah, seem to remember you saying that <laughs> at, the, uh, yes. at the time. So yeah, you know, D- Dagenham have got a few more players. I don't know the quality of all of them um, at, at this moment in time, but you know that they are being mentioned. But I think that's just on the back of signing one player, one scorer. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, um, mm. As we all know, you've got to serve them. Scott Bowden will mm. score thirty goals a season if he gets thirty. 30 balls to his feet in the six yard area. Yeah. Uh, uh, But he'll not score any if he doesn't get the ball anywhere apart from 25 yards out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, and and of course what the teams that we know least about are those M25 teams. The big advantage for those at the moment is that there's a big pool of players that Mm -hmm. just move around and don't have to move house. Whereas in the fourth, you know, we're nowhere near anywhere. And uh, uh, in the division at the moment, so they can, um, you know, you'll always get a decent player. If somebody offers fifty quid a week more, it's not a it's not a problem for the for the player to uh, uh, to move about. I'm I'm looking at Solihull Moors uh, at the they've, moment. They've signed Jamie Ward today. I have, haven't they? Have they? Mm. And they've got Adam Rooney, of course. <laughs> there. Talk about uh, uh, Jake Beasley's move back moving to the league of Rochdale, hasn't he? Yeah, mm-hmm. for Rochdale. Three-year contract, bless him. I'm pleased for yes. him. Yeah, yes. really pleased for him. Um, well, now you look, you, you look at Solihull's um, squad, and that that does look quite strong. Again, first eleven looks pretty strong. Uh, you know, obviously, we know anything, obviously, we don't know anything about their new manager, James Shan. Um, you know, he might be terrific, but we don't know him, do we? Is is uh, is being a coach behind the scenes at West Bromwich Albion, and he was interim manager at Kidderminster Harriers when Pemberton left, mm-hmm. funnily enough. So uh, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what 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 he's capable of uh, of bringing to the party at, at Solihull, who of course are owned by the guy who used to own Oxford, aren't they? I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking at the fourth fixture away at Torquay on a Tuesday night. I've done that before, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad it's in October and not in December. I think it was uh, last year, wasn't it? So. I bought me a hotel earlier on today for that mm. one. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, and again, looking looking down there, they've uh, obviously um, Aaron Down still there on the on the 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 squad, but they've got Dean Moxie, 
I'm not sure how old he is now. Let's have a look how old Dean Moxie is. 34, but cracking player. It's Exeter and Derby. Of course, Ben Whitfield knows what it's all all about. Um, Asa Hall's been there for, for a while. Yeah. But, you know, the, 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 uh, there's, there's not a list there that's going to frighten you. No. Mm. It's you know? much of a muchness, isn't it? Yes. Uh, between the squads, I think, on, on, on balance. And what we've seen so far... It's hard. And I know there was a report out uh, I spotted on Bob's board earlier about somebody predicting woes for Chesterfield as if it's going to be exactly the same as last season. Well, you know, it generally it generally isn't because what he hasn't taken into consideration is Chesterfield's form from January to March last season. Mm. He's just going to naturally assume that it's going to be a struggle again. Well, it, it might not be. He's a different manager. It, it, much of it is the same players, but not all of it is. Mm. So, you know... It, shouldn't be shouldn't be the same i'm, I'm saying no it shouldn't, it shouldn't. Be. and i'm so, going uh, back to what we were talking about evans evans confidence was shot last season he well, wasn't yeah. was being backed by the manager yeah. um uh, and if if he gets back to what he's capable of doing that's a problem that's eased i'm not saying got gone away because yes he, he's turning isn't what where you want it to be at but it is what it is uh but his strength and his command in a set play position is is good mm-hmm. uh, and we know we can do it you know well it's interesting phil isn't it you were you were going through a few people's squads there i'm sure other teams are looking at ours and thinking you know that's quite handy they've got an experienced goalkeeper with who played in the league last year and kept 11 clean sheets and they, you know they've got they've got yarny who's a specimen they've got evans who's who's a, a tried and trusted national league center mm-hmm. back you know, they've, they've got Weston and they've got Smith and look up front, they've got, you know, Tyson and, and Denton and Bowden. I'm sure teams are looking at us and thinking, blooming heck, you know, with that squad. And, and really, when Pemberton came in, that squad was promotion for them. I, indeed. I'll be disappointed again for the third season in a row if Chesswell <laughs> didn't finish in the top seven. Right. I, I, I think... You know, daft as it sounds, I think we're more geared up for that this season than we have been in the previous two. Mm. Yeah. 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 Uh, 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 First season was all about players, we're too good to be here. Oh, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) Three games in, yeah. Three three games in, three wins, three walks in the park or whatever. But it wasn't that convincing. But then all of a sudden, like, so they never won again until December. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. But we were unbeaten for 432 games, of which 430 were draws. That is true. As as the optimists sort of say. But like you said earlier on uh, in in the podcast, Paul, win three, lose three is better than drawing uh, drawing six, isn't it? Well, that was Daryl. So I'll give give Daryl that. So it's, uh, yeah, indeed. Um, You know, that's exactly what you sort of want. And then you can find out a little bit more about exactly how... It is, and it goes back to your point about Paul Cook and his 10 games and, and whatnot. And you can find out exactly... Um, where you where you are, where you're at, how many injuries you got at the start of the season, and um, well, everybody likes to get off and running, but I've often said that it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Well, how we start is important, and we've got Wheelston away, Hartlepool at home, and Woking at home. So to finish from the start, mm-hmm. it's uh, put your WDLs in that three matches, and so where will we be? A week on Saturday at five o'clock. So your WDs and Ls for Wilsdon away, Hartlepool at home, and Woking away. Looks as though Daryl's actually technically advanced because he looks as though he's writing something with the pen. Uh-huh. 
as opposed to trying to work out that's three and I've got to do three letters. That's quite a tricky combination. One of the skills I've still got, so I thought I'd use it. Um, I think we'll draw up on tomorrow. Um, that's just a gut feeling. I think um, our nows, our, our experience and our nows will get us a point tomorrow. Uh, likewise, I think we'll get a point against Hartlepool, and then I think we'll have a, a fantastic win against Wilton. So DDW, I'm writing these down. D DC DDW. Yeah. PM. I think we'll we will um, get a draw tomorrow, and we will draw against Hartlepool, and we will then defeat Woking comfortably. So DDW, same as Daryl. <laughs> Don't like original thinking. SB. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to bring everybody firmly down to earth with an L tomorrow. Unfortunately, I just think it just feels to me like one of those games where you know we're just going to a smaller team, I suppose, if you're a smaller club, if you want to call them that, are just going to do a job on us, you know. Yeah. Um, but then the D and the W, I I heartily agree with. So L D W for me. Well, I'll, do you know what then? Uh, uh, I'll go W D W. Okay. My Ooh. goodness. So, so as the tiebreak between Paul and Daryl, if you get them both the same, you've got to say how many goals that we'll score in that that D D W run. Oh. Um, okay. I shall go for one. <laughs> nil 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 nil. <laughs> <one> nil. <laughs> I'm going to go. If we're going to score. We're going to score four in total. Flipping heck, four goals. Yeah. I'm going one more than that, Phil. Flipping it. I think at least a goal a game. To be closer, I'd have definitely gone three, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've, I've predicted at least two because I've got two W's in there. So, uh, well, there we go. So, let's see who, uh, next time round, let's see who, who, who gets the, uh, the, the the closest to the three. Let's hope we're all reasonably close as opposed to way out. Because if we weigh out, it, uh, it it's going to be a long, hard autumn, mm. isn't it? And, that, and the winter's not even set in yet. So, uh, any final points? Ever any final points that uh, you're desperate to make before we uh, go on to Spotify and iTunes and all of those other fancy things that Paul knows about that I've never heard of? I would just like to say it's quite nice to spend money at the club again. That's all I'm going to say, because yeah. uh, I spent some money today and I'm quite happy to do it as well. Well done, you. Good old, hmm. good old you. Good man, yeah. On a similar vein, actually, um, I, I know we can't sell season tickets, but I think there is an air of goodwill that, God bless them at the minute, the new regime are missing out on. We should not sell season tickets necessarily, but sell something like, someone suggested on Facebook the other day, a club subscription. Because I, th I think the supporters, if you said to them, we need the money. You know what situation we're in. We're yep. in different times. Can we have 250 quid off you? And what that'll do is if we get back to being able to let crowds and you can have your seat, in the meantime, you will get free home games to watch on, on you know, on the live stream and 10% and off in the shop or something. And I think there'd be a flood of people willing to do it. I really do. Good call. That's a sensible uh, mm. thing. Stuart? Um, I don't really have anything to add to, to, to what Paul and Daryl have both said. There is this great well of goodwill, as, as Paul has demonstrated, and, you know, sort of feeling that and feeling as though you're in some way a small part of that is, is for some of us, quite a peculiar feeling. 
one that we haven't had for a few years. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, well, yeah, my feeling is, as somebody who's fortunate enough, stroke unfortunate enough to be able to <laughs> go to some of the matches, I just hope I feel pig sick at the end of tomorrow because we've witnessed a great performance and there's been no Chesterfield supporters there to see mm. it. Yeah, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, okay, well, that's about it. Uh, enjoy something brand new. Your, your casting of, uh, of, of a live match tomorrow that's not mm. a television match or on Elastic FM listening to it on uh, Elastic with Big Al or, or, or trying to do. Or trying to commentate, Phil, whilst keeping an eye on the game that's being streamed uh, to my left hand side. So. Good luck on Eddie B. Watford whilst you're watching Sam. <laughs> <but>, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, that, that one's going to be quite uh, quite quite tricky. Uh, I wonder how many times Sean Dyche comes up in the Watford conversation or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they've got. Oh, no, they haven't. So, yeah. yeah so, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so from me, Phil Tooley, Stuart Bass, and Paul Fisher, and uh, our new recruit, Daryl Carpenter, well, we'll do another one whenever Paul says it's time to do another one and sends us all a fancy link. And uh, we'll, we'll see you uh, then. But in the meantime, stay safe, and we hope to see you at the technique sooner rather than later.